Welcome to the Bonhoeffer Podcast, a podcast about the life, theology, and practice of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I am your host, Corey Tuttle, and my guest today is Dr. Chris Dodson. Dr. Dodson holds a PhD from the University of Aberdeen and is the author of The God Who Is Given, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Sacramental Theology and Religionless Christianity. Dr. Dodson, thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, um, I'm really interested in, to, in your, your project, in your book. Um, when I first started Bonhoeffer Studies, I kind of had this vision of like, I wanted to just know everything he thought doctrinally. And I was thinking, oh, well, I would have to do, you know, soteriology, I would have to do, you know, this, this, and this. And one of the big questions I had was uh, sacraments. So it's great because I'm like just getting into it. And then your book comes out and I'm like, perfect. Now I, I could just like read this book and I, you know, shortcut to all of this. So, so thanks for writing it. I really liked it. Oh, yeah. And then that's almost even how I stumbled into it because I was, uh, talking with who was going to be my PhD supervisor. And he said, this is something I'd maybe be interested in doing. He's like, and I have the books on my desk for that. So let's talk more. <laughs> awesome. And your, your PhD supervisor was Tom Greggs, right? Tom Greggs. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, well, how did that start? How did, um, how did you get into Bonhoeffer and what led you to do the PhD with, with Tom? Um, I got into Bonhoeffer actually as an undergrad had a professor who introduced us to mostly the biography, but you can't do Bonhoeffer's biography without talking his theology as well. And so we uh, were getting into his later life and life are in the uh, prison letters Mm -hmm. and just the glimpses that I was getting into there seemed really fascinating. They connected with me on uh, questions that I was having about the church and what it meant to be a faithful church and a member of that church. And so I just sort of started picking it up uh, independently from there, reading some of his books and reading some books about him. And I, I guess I caught the vision, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, and really began to think that there's something here to offer that I think has lasting value. And I want to know the source of it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to the church, I mean, I grew up in evangelical. And so we had very um, determined ideas of what church should look like. And I wasn't sure that that was necessary, at least, right? Not knocking it, just mm-hmm. that wasn't maybe the only way it could look like. And so what would, what does this sort of religionless thing look like? And where does it come from? How does it flow out of the church that Bonhoeffer would have experienced? How can it flow out of the church that I'm experiencing? Mm. And that ended up leading me to sacraments. Yeah. And the, the, this is the stuff that uh, for Luther, for Bonhoeffer, forms the church. Mm. And you don't get religionlessness if you're not willing to find God first where God's revealing 
Hmm. That's really interesting. Yeah, I guess I, in my mind, I'd always thought, oh, this is probably like you just thought sacraments and then ended up in the religionless Christianity, but it kind of sounds like it was the re- reverse of that. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely the other way around. Huh. Awesome. I was looking for the source of what I already found interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Uh, so you mentioned that uh, Martin Luther plays a big role in this, um, big role. And obviously Bonhoeffer is a, a Lutheran pastor at one point. Um, I guess we'll start there with, with Luther um, and Luther's understanding of sacraments, I guess. So uh, I'll ask you, what is, what's Martin Luther's understanding of sacraments? I guess you can, we'll start with like, uh, how many are there? With what are they? And then what do they do? What are what each one? What's the purpose of each one? Yeah, for Luther, a, a sacrament is a, or it's an act of God's grace that is being consistently revealed to the church through a certain ritual action. Um, and so it's faith being instilled, faith being activated by the work that God is doing to be present to and for us in these specific events that the church recognizes we can come to consistently to find God here, not because we coerce God's presence, but just because God wills to be there for us. And for Luther, that sort of form and the function of it is what drives the number. It's like, where can I see this? actually taking place and when i see it taking place bam we've got a sacrament so he starts with uh three of them narrowing down from the roman catholic seven and sticks with baptism the eucharist and confession over time he's going to sort of shift his position on confession a bit, but it creates this sort of enduring ambiguity within the Lutheran tradition of, okay, is confession a sacrament or not? Different theologians weigh in differently. Um, and I, I go into uh, what I think Bonhoeffer's position would be, and I think he's going to go with the early Luther over the latter uh, on that one. So it is a confession. So a confession is a sacrament. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I think uh, for Bonhoeffer, it is. Um, and Luther starts with that, just changes his mind later on. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, so I, I guess just want to drill down a little bit more into the uh, baptism and sacraments and maybe even confession since Bonhoeffer is uh, thinks that that's a sacrament as well. In, in what way is God present in those things? Theologically. Um, so, and how does Bonhoeffer kind of pick up on those things and agree with them? Yeah. Bonhoeffer, I think this is one of the big things he takes from Luther is that it is uh, that they're both insistent on a concrete, real presence in the elements of the uh, sacrament. So, God is genuinely present I mean, to us in the bread and the wine of the Eucharist. And without that genuine presence there, 
for both of them, a sacrament can't be a sacrament. Mm -hmm. You have to have God there to be giving grace, to be present, transforming the recipient of the sacrament. Otherwise, we're just hanging around with ourselves. And I'm sure we're all lovely, but it's it's just not it's not the gift of grace it's not doing the work to instill a faith in us turn our hearts outward to god and our neighbor uh, it just becomes religion that is trying to I mean, be me preserving myself against death preserving myself against the needs of my neighbor and just securing my own future which isn't faith. Yeah, that's great. You have this excellent uh, chapter on um, act and being. Um, I won't have you <laughs> fully lay out everything there because uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> because act and being is a rough go. Um, but uh, specifically in the chapter, you have you don't only I guess in your book you don't just go through Bonhoeffer's theology of the sacraments. But you also just paint how Bonhoeffer's theology is sacramental. Um, you have this sort of like the way that he understands the sacraments is the way that he understands faith kind of thing. Um, and you lay it out kind of an active being. So I'm wondering um, if you could give like a 10,000 foot view of what is there in active being that is, is kind of leading you to, to see this, this picture and, and kind of explain it to us um, as how Bonhoeffer's theology is sacramental. Yeah, well, so when I say that Bonhoeffer's theology is sacramental, I mean to say that what when he tries to do theology, everything he tries to understand about theology is the fruit of him having been encountered by God in these sacraments. And these sacraments and the God that Bonhoeffer believes he's encountering there are what become determinative uh, for what he thinks and how he tries to live. Hmm. Um, the, as far as act and being goes, and yes, it's a read. <laughs> it's a rough go. <sighs> um, it's, it goes back to, um, a phrase that kind of caught my attention in one of my early read-throughs of the text of there's a churchy way of knowing things. Mm. And that whenever I am trying to, um, I mean, understand knowledge, okay, um, and the, so the sort of more epistemological side of act and being there. I can know maybe based on um, these sort of truths outside myself, but the simple fact is that I, there's a good chance I'm projecting myself. Mm. Um, and I can try to know life based on how I have uh, been and how I've experienced it, but I, who we are 
is just in this constant evolution. We're never who we were five minutes ago and we're not who we're going to be five minutes from now. And so I'm, I'm an unreliable interpreter of my own life. Mm-hmm. But whenever God comes to me and sort of intervenes in that act of sacrament, who I am changes. Um, my being is upended. And it's the uh, moment where my core curvamen say my heart that's turned in on itself is finally undone and turned outward. And so because I've received God here, I'm finally able to see the world with more real eyes. Mm-hmm. And I see a world that is calling me to die the same way Christ has the same way that um, God continues to give God's self over time after time after time in these sacraments. And as I begin to see the world through this lens of God's, of what God is doing and of uh, how God is being in these sacraments, that that becomes determinative of my being, my thinking, my acting. Hmm. That's great. Um, I wanted to go back a little bit towards uh, this Bonhoeffer's thoughts on confession being a sacrament. You mentioned that it's a lot about um, like the the concrete presence of God in these, you know, let's say the the bread and the wine or or uh, presence in baptism. Um, and I guess I'm interested, I, I love, I guess my favorite Bonhoeffer book is Life Together. And I love sort of his understanding of community and confession and repentance and prayer and, and all that stuff in there. So it's like, I go back to it time and time again for my own like personal use, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, uh, how is confession um, a sacrament for Bonhoeffer? Like what, what role is the presence of God and confession um, to the person confessing or uh, maybe even to the people who, who you're confessing to? Yeah. First off, God has to be present, right? And so the question then becomes, where is God present? And for Bonhoeffer, and this is part of the work of his original dissertation, Sanctorum Communio, God's presence is hidden within the church and within the members of that church. And so for me to be able to confess to my neighbor is also God's reception of that confession. Um, And it's in fact, the concrete presence of my neighbor and God's concrete presence in that neighbor that is that as I encounter them is going to compel my own confession because mm-hmm. I experience there my failures, my moments of being turned inward, my failures to love God and neighbor, um, and therefore 
realized that this is an opportunity for me to uh, receive the faith to do better hmm. uh, and do differently. And so the neighbor becomes God's presence or becomes, is God's presence here. And faith is uh, activated within me as I have this opportunity to confess and turn from my sins. Yeah. That's great. Um, you have these, these two excellent chapters on uh, religion and religionless Christianity, Bonhoeffer's famous phrase. Um, and I'm guessing, so I always try to like gear these episodes towards anyone who's new to Bonhoeffer, I guess. So um, obviously like, talking to, to other guests, they've probably covered this before. What is religion and religionless Christianity? What does that mean for Bonhoeffer? But just for anyone who uh, maybe this is the first time they're hearing this or haven't read Bonhoeffer, when, when Bonhoeffer uses the term religion, uh, he uses it sort of critically. So I'm wondering, um, what does he mean by religion usually? And um, uh, what does he mean by religionless Christianity? What's the, what's the difference there? Yeah. And this is this was kind of the hardest part of me uh, for me in doing this book was piecing all of this together because Bonhoeffer can just be kind of all over the place actually whenever he's talking about religion um, and so for me it became a matter of looking um, less at how does he use or like what does this word mean to him and rather what are the various uses and functions of this word in his theology. And so I began drawing this distinction that I was observing in the way he used religion in particular between sort of structures and institutions and such that may be religious and our human disposition that was religious. Hmm. And so religion in one sense could be positive it uh, and this was more that structural side that these that religion is um, this apparatus by which we are brought into community and um, kept in community with one another and these sorts of structures that exist between us are invaluable and they depending on what the structure is it may uh, become more or less effective over time and structures may need altered and replaced and such but the the simple being of these structures was themselves a positive force uh, I, in my reading of Bonhoeffer hmm. but then there's the other side which was this religious impulse or disposition within us which is more selfish and self-serving. And I guess like within the evangelical circles I was raised in, at least if I would think of it as kind of like using God as fire insurance yeah. and right. I'm, I'm just here to get out of hell because I'm worried about myself, my future. And it's still very self-involved. Um, and even though I'm 
right? Surrounded by all of these structures that could be using community through my religious disposition, my selfish disposition, I'm ending up actually abusing those structures and trying to use them towards my own ends. Mm. And um, so the beauty of the sacraments is then that God is present through these structures to challenge me when I try to abuse them and to try and pull me outwards. Mm. Um, so a religionlessness then is a phrase that he begins to develop in his prison letters in particular. And it's I mean, just these sort of really musings back and forth with between him and his friend, Eberhard Betka. But religionlessness seemed to me to be just that opposite disposition that disposition of my heart is turned outward i am dying to self and loving my neighbor uh, loving god and it's no longer about me having or me using these institutions to save myself from isolation from hell from whatever the evil may be that i'm trying to avoid it it's not these religionlessness is that faithful pursuit of love of god and love of neighbor that can only be born out of encountering god genuinely through these religious structures hmm. So that's how that's where the connection comes between religionless Christianity and the sacraments that uh, that there is a there is in some sense a, a good version of religion in this thought of, of these structures. Right. But then it's. Um, yeah, it's you said the uh, reverse of that in, impulse uh, to say justify ourselves to um, work our way to God. And yeah. the, the sacraments are sort of uh, kind of like a home base uh, restructuring in our mind of flipping that on its head to make sure that we're not living yeah. religiously in the bad sense, I guess. Yeah. I mean, those the sacraments are the place where God undoes us time and time again. And even when, and it, it's not to say that they would not be above abuse, mm. um, but because God is present there, God is able to use this opportunity and undo even our selfish pursuits of um, bread and wine. Awesome. Well, something I really loved about your book is that it's not only just like here is Bonhoeffer's theology, but you also apply to uh, try to apply it to um, contemporary contexts. You, um, as you mentioned, you talk about the evangelical church a lot in your book as well, that this, these ideas is this understanding of the sacraments according to Bonhoeffer and this religionless Christianity approach um, might actually serve the evangelical church. And so I'm, I'm wondering uh, how might Bonhoeffer's theology of sacraments help I mean, it doesn't have to be just the evangelical church, but just churches in general. How how might this understanding of the sacraments uh, serve the church today? 
Yeah, and I mean, I I think for um, evangelicals in particular, I wanted to draw this out because religionlessness so often becomes sort of the stumbling block of Bonhoeffer's theology for them. That I hear this word and it doesn't sound right, and something maybe doesn't fit here. So, all right, I'll take discipleship and maybe I'll take life together, but like the whole of Bonhoeffer's theology and particularly by the end, I'm not sure I can go there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, is that, uh, can be that sort of standard impulse. And so I wanted to kind of show that actually, if you like the life together and you like the discipleship, then religionlessness is where it has to go. And here's how you go with it. Hmm. And so we're looking at things um, like the way that, say, um, this worldliness is meant to result in um, feelings of gratitude for whatever life is currently, good or bad. And God is... And so the the very fact that we're taking very earthly, very normal, everyday elements and that God is transforming these into grace uh, can instill within us the gratitude to recognize that grace everywhere. And so um, like he talks so much about this worldliness in these prison letters and it comes out of this experience of the sacraments and it's something that uh, when we come together and worship is absolutely something that we can encourage and that there are ways that we can uh, even try to facilitate and amplify those impulses and other elements of our worship Um, and corporate discernment was another sort of big thing coming out of this because um, from whenever I'm taking the sacrament, it's always a part of a body um, that I'm, I can't possibly do this alone. Um, if, even if it is only God that I'm with, there's still another presence that I have to be with. And so I've got this, or because I'm in constant communion and constant community, um, I'm not isolated when it comes to decision-making. And there's often this sense that, okay, I have to make moral decisions right or wrong on my own, um, or sometimes perhaps even worse that I'm the sole arbiter of what is right and wrong when it comes to uh, making moral decisions. And neither of those are the case because um, what is good is also what others can receive as good. And if someone can't receive it as good, then it isn't no matter how much we may be trying to make it. So, um, and so the fact that sort of, we have to 
respond to one another and discern the reality around us together in order to understand what's going on, our place in it, what God's calling us to in it became really important. And so like I would look at the call and response that is so common in the African-American tradition. Mm-hmm. And they're throughout the service, it's constant engagement in this process of communal discernment. Uh, and it's like, okay, we're going there with you, pastor, lead us on. And it's like, pastor, we're not so sure you should go there or you know, mm-hmm. wait, we're not following you. Let's come back together, try to get on the same page. This is this constant dialogue back and forth throughout the service um, that's important and that's useful and that is that follows from the fact that we're a community that has to be engaged with other bodies. Um, and as uh, someone now worshiping in Episcopalian church, we always do the prayers of the people as a call and response sort of thing as well, that, that, that somebody is gonna make the prayer but then the rest of the church has to opt in and say that, yes, this is the way that we view reality. This is um, the way that we need it done. And that happens because we're people who live in a community and are brought into that community through encountering God in these particular places of sacraments. Hmm. That's great, man. <laughs> wow. Um, I'm curious about your own uh, personal story. You mentioned, um, that you kind of grew up in an evangelical context. You're an Episcopalian, uh, in, a, in an Episcopalian context now. Um, so I'm wondering, um, just let's say right before you join Aberdeen to do this project on religionless Christianity and the sacraments, what, what did you think about the sacraments before you started? And then how, how has that changed? Uh, like starting to finish, you know, and uh, working through all these things. What do you, what do you think the difference is? Or is there one? Yeah. Uh, let, let's just say that theological education did a number on me yeah. <laughs> on this front. Um, because I mean, I, I went into undergrad, a um, full blown memorialist that we are at the Lord's supper. there just remembering God, we do baptism because God asked us to. And I mean, there, there wasn't, I mean, at least functionally within the church, there wasn't always a lot more meat than that. I mean, I know that theologically those positions can have much more to merit themselves. Um, but just as I was studying it really began to resonate with me that no, something special and different is happening here. Hmm. I go to the table and I, or I go to the font and something does change. And that doesn't change just because I remember something because I mean, scripture says that, the demons can know things and tremble, but it doesn't change who they are. There's something, if, if these, if there's a transformative moment taking place, uh, when we go to these places, it can't just be because 
I'm thinking about something differently. That change happens because there's someone I'm encountering there. And so um, even by the, like, even though I was still in Baptist circles throughout my uh, seminary experience, I was already still pretty sold on actually a more sacramental understanding of, of those sorts of events. Um, and then we, or my family and I started attending an Episcopal church actually after we moved to Aberdeen. And whenever we got to sort of experience a community taking seriously that sacramental element of what they were doing, it just it blew me away and I, I was sold. <laughs> so, um, I'm it going through this, um, was, I'm, I guess then kind of, it was reinforcing a journey that I was on and it meant, or, and I, I wouldn't say I was doing it in order to confirm that direction necessarily, mm. but it provided a lot of more foundation for understanding what I thought was happening. Yeah. So that was helpful. <laughs> awesome. Thank you for that. Um, I got one more question for you. It'll be uh, it's a bit of a fun one. Uh, so a little game of desert island. Um, okay. So the idea is that you are trapped on a desert island and you get to take one book by Bonhoeffer and one book about Bonhoeffer. It doesn't have to be like a biography. It could be any book uh, about his theology or anything like that. Just a primary and a secondary source. Um, so which two books would you take and why? Well, you might think I'd be tempted to take letters and papers. Mm -hmm. But actually, no. <laughs> if I had one book of his that was the only one I'd ever read again and that I would, you know, just have to sit there and read over and over to keep myself sane on this deserted Island. It would be creation and fall. Oh yeah. Just, I think he's doing some beautiful theological work there and the beauty of what he's doing. Every time I come back to it, is restorative. Yeah. Um, so I, that, that's the one that I would sit there and just love to read over and over and over again. <laughs> I think you're, uh, I think I'm on like episode 25, 26, somewhere around there. I think you're the second person who said creation and fall. Usually it's ethics. So it's, it's not, it's cool when I, okay. I someone that has a, another one. I love, yeah. Creation of all is one of my favorites as well. Um, I worked when I did my master's thesis, it was like one of my go-to spots. Um, lots of good stuff there. Yeah. I'm sure you noticed it popped up a few times. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. My book as well. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, but then if I were to uh, pick the secondary source to go with me, um, I'd probably be taking, um, I think it's Matthew Kaiser, um, Becoming Simple and Wise. And that's his book on um, how 
Bonhoeffer is viewing and practicing discernment um, and moral understanding. And I mean, on one level, I think it was just a very well-written, clear book that was just, it's nice when you find books that are nice to read and <laughs> it fit that bill um, for me well. But I, I think it's just dealing with um, a topic that I thoroughly enjoy. And I think it's dealing it with a, uh, with it in a really um, unique and important way. And that, that's probably one of my favorites about Bonhoeffer. Awesome. I haven't, I haven't read it. Um, I think, I think one other person has suggested that as well. So usually I use this as sort of like a create a list of people to potentially interview, you know, book, mm -hmm. book recommendations. So, so I will, uh, yeah, I, I have, it, it's somewhere on the list, but uh, hopefully yeah. I'll, I'll get to read it soon and connect with them. Well, this yeah, is, I'll have to listen to that episode if you do. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll let you know when it comes together. Um, but this has been great. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. And as I said, I, you know, I loved your book, the, even the premise of it before I even started reading it. I was already really excited about it because I've, you know, had questions about it before going into it. So, um, yeah, thanks for writing it and for oh, yeah. your time. Thanks for reading it. And thank you for the invitation to be here. It's been great. Yeah, definitely. So the, the book is The God Who Is Given, Dietrich Bonhoeffer's Sacramental Theology and Religionless Christianity by Dr. Chris Dotson. And the publisher is Fortress Press Academic. Um, you can find it on their website or through Amazon or uh, wherever you find books, probably. Um, but yeah, that's all I got for you. Thanks so much. Thank you. It's been great. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Bonhoeffer Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app and it will help others find the show. If you would like to support the podcast, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash Bonhoeffer We have quite a few supporter benefits available on there. Uh, so please check those out. And speaking of the Patreon, special thank you to the supporters of this show, Soren Jensen, Andrew Clark Howard, Hank Janelle, Arthur Houts, Greg Harbaugh, Chris Sunby, Wilco Ollies, John Cromarty, Chris Baker, Diego Reeve, and of course, as always, a special thank you to you, the listener. I love doing these and I look forward to them each month. So thank you so much for listening.